welcome to the SAP Concur Conversation podcast. Each episode, we sit down with industry experts, visionaries, and leaders as they share what it takes to build forward-thinking spend and travel programs. Our goal is to get you thinking differently about how your organization spends money. I'm your host, Jean Dyan. I'm the Vice President of the Value Experience Team here at SAP Concur. My team works with our customers to bring about positive business outcomes based on data-driven insights. And today we're in for a treat. I'm joined by Charlie Sultan, the President of Concur Travel, and Paul Tilstone, a Managing Partner at Festive Road. And we're going to dive really deep into the multi-channel travel programs. We'll explore the current business travel landscape and trends that are driving this need for a multi-channel strategy. We'll dismantle some common multi-channel misconceptions. And we'll examine strategies that can help travel managers prepare for the change and manage travel spend in this really new multi-channel reality. We've got a lot of ground to cover today, but before we do that, let's start with some introductions. So, Charlie, would you mind introducing yourself to the listeners? No, thanks a lot uh, for having me on here, Gene. I'm Charlie Sultan. I'm the president of Concur Travel. I've been with SAP Concur now for about almost coming on 10 years. Prior to that, I spent 15 years at American Airlines running our, our distribution strategy over there at American, our corporate negotiated rates, our travel agency agreements, revenue management, co-brand partners, and a whole variety of different things across the airline. But I'm most passionate about the corporate travel space. And so uh, I've been with Concur, uh, leading our team here that works with our suppliers, that works with the industry, that works with content, and also work a lot on our tripling product, which is one of the core assets that we have to help on the multi-channel front. And this is why you're our travel guru. So, Paul, would you mind introducing yourself as well? Yeah, sure. So, first of all, thank you for having me as a guest on the SAP Concur podcast. It's the first time I've ever been described as a treat, so that's a wonderful intro. I've been in the industry just under 30 years. I uh, I spent uh, my formative years in travel management company, sales and marketing, I then became CEO of the Institute of Travel Management, or ITM, as people may know, the organization based in the UK. That's a non-profit association. Then I moved to setting up GBCA in Europe and ran all markets for GBCA outside of the United States. And seven years ago, I co-founded with my business partner, business travel and meetings consultancy, Festive Road. And one thing that people may know about me is distribution and distribution via channels is my sort of favorite geek topic. I'm not really a geek, but that's my geek topic. Wave that geek flag proud. I am a big geek as well. So (laughs) I want to talk to you all really about that corporate travel landscape and how it continues to change. You know, our content is fragmented. We've got the new distribution capability or NDC, as everybody refers to it, on the forefront. We've got airlines pulling out of the traditional GDS channels. We've got new technologies. The industry is really being disrupted at every single turn. I think people spent a lot lot of really good years putting this together, but now it seems to all be coming to a head. I recently met with a travel manager whose travels are really demanding more control over where and how they book. I mean, I think about it a lot. I have very strong preferences. My daughter, who's been traveling since she was young, who's now in the workforce, has very strong preferences about who she wants to use from a points perspective. They don't want to use that corporate online booking tool and have that single-minded view. You know, she is saying that her employees are 
quote, going rogue. And she was struggling really to get control and visibility and ownership around the travel that her job required. And she didn't really understand that we have some multi-channel solutions in place to meet her needs, to provide her travelers with the flexibility while still having visibility into the details she needs to do her job very successfully. So, Paul, I was wondering if you could, you know, I've talked about multi-channel here. We've mentioned that word many times. If this is a drinking game, please, anybody who has multi-channel, do not drive after this. But <laughs> Paul, could you define what multi-channel means and the differences that you see in what's been happening previously? Yeah, I think it's an important point because I, I sort of hear multi-channel banded around the same as omni-channel, and I think they're they're fundamentally two very different things. Multi-channel is variance by channel. It's the supplier deciding what they will put through which channel and when and why. And that's something that's been growing over the last 20 years since the birth of the Internet. And as companies, especially those that were born after the Internet and decided that the Internet was a really great platform for distribution, we've started to see multi-channel appear. Omnichannel, on the other hand, is about having a consistent experience via channel. And one example of that would be regardless of mode of, of consumption of the, of the product, one example of that, for example, would be I'm watching my Netflix series on TV. I go onto my mobile and I pick up where I left off. That's a completely different thing to, to multi-channel. So what we're we're not anywhere near, I don't think, in our industry, close to having a, an omni-channel experience. And at the moment, multi-channel is everything. It's occupying all our minds. And I'm not surprised by the comments of your friend. Yeah. Charlie, do you have anything that you wanted to add to that from a concur perspective? Well, no, I think we've obviously seen, seen multi-channel continue to grow, as Paul said, really with the, it, it sort of sounds, uh, makes us geriatric to say, but with the advent of the internet, that really did open up a whole other channel. Before, you know, if you really go way back, you had to pick up the phone as a corporate traveler, call someone who would tell you what the options were. And pretty much the options were whatever they told you the options were. You had no idea if there were other options out there or not. As things got a little bit more advanced, now you can go out and you can see the options yourself through some of the channels. And really the proliferation now of all of the different channels that are available, as Paul mentioned, the, the way that people want to distribute their content, the economics of it, the way they can get you to see it on their sites. If anything, that just continues to accelerate. And like you said, as more and more of the younger workforce becomes the core of the workforce, they're used to being able to have everything accessible in the way that they want it. And I really think that the days of being able to say, you will book on the channel I tell you, the airline I tell you, at the time that I tell you, or you're not going to get reimbursed. I think there's very few companies that can still get away with doing that. And so I think it is imperative for all of us to figure out how do we get the right data so that your travel manager can still administer policy, they can still get their discounts, they can still make sure that they're adhering to their duty of care, and at the end, so that they have all of the data that they need to make the decisions and to do their job properly. Yeah. And by the way, I, I would say multi-channel has existed pre-internet as well. Back in my early TMC days, the number of times that I would find that somebody would purchase a, a fare from a specialist tour operator for the Far East, 
because the airline has chosen to distribute a different type of fare and product through that tour operator. So it's been with us forever. What we're talking about here is digital multi-channel. And I think to Charlie's point, in a digital world, that's where people are going to access different content at different times. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about that business travel landscape. I mean, we know travelers want flexibility to book. They want to flexibility on where they're booking, how they're booking, with whom they're booking. In fact, SAP Concur had a global business travel survey in partnership with Wakefield Research that showed almost half of global business travelers were booking their travel directly with suppliers. But then you have that counterforce of travel managers who still have to control that program like my friend and have access to that data and visibility and cost savings and program compliance. And if about 60% of spend data sources are invisible, again, according to that survey by Wakefield Research, then travel programs really do need to consider whether travelers and programs should be limited to that single channel or if more options should be offered. So Paul, I'm just curious, you know, when you think about this, what are the pieces that are going into this? I don't want to call it a trend because it's it's long-term, it's long-lived. It's not the newest flavor. It's just the expansion of the flavor. I'd sort of see two primary drivers, really. One is an explosion of content. And, you know, there's all sorts of factors that have resulted in that explosion of content. And by the way, a greater opportunity to provide differentiated content that resonates with a very particular type of audience. You know, you don't have to provide a generic airline seat to the whole world anymore. You can productize that seat or that that experience in a very different way. And that applies across all of the travel components. I think the second thing is that there is definitely a sense of, traveler empowerment and within organizations you overlay a war for talent and it is normally people at a more senior level who are more frequent business travelers and they know the the power they have in a world where actually the cost of employees is rising rapidly knowledge share workers have the world in their hands they can determine whether they work for a company that requires them to be in the office five days a week or gives them freedom to work from home. They're exercising their right to work for who they want. And I think what that means is that actually that the traditional programs of control and compliance within organizations don't necessarily resonate with what the travelers are looking for and want. And then you overlay the personal impacts of traveler needs. One person may be far more sustainability oriented than another. One might have care needs at home that influence when they need to be away, when they need to be back and what their experience is like. And I think that what that means is you're you're operating in a world where there's lots of nuances, lots of content everywhere, and you've got to provide the landscape that caters for all of that in, in ideally in one place. That's a really tough ask. I think the days of the content all being the same in one unique tube are are gone. Whether it's an online travel agency, an online booking tool, we're all striving to be able to offer the most content to the travelers. And what that means is not necessarily getting all of the content from the same place we used to get it from before. We need to go to multiple places. And as a travel manager, I think, again, the days of the employees just being willing to go to one source And as Paul said, if they want to use the same app that they use for their personal travel, if they're in a certain airline hub and they just know who the airline is that they're going to fly and they've got status that allows them to get certain things for free, 
I think it's going to be very difficult. And I think any travel manager who wants to believe and is just waiting for it to go back to the good old days, uh, I think they're kind of fooling themselves. Yeah. I think there's also a, a potential nuance here as well is actually it's the fast growth of small to medium enterprises that actually is driving some of this because they've they've moved quite quickly from sort of startups to scale ups. And, you know, generally, I'd imagine that their cost of talent is relatively high. Their people are really important to them. They've grown up in a world where actually we've got multi-channel in place already, content all over the place. And they're sort of already exposed to that environment and dealing with it, whereas a company that's, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and been around for decades is used to that control environment. Yeah. What you're getting at is behavior, right? And so for me, data is the key to understanding the behavior of what's happening within your program. It's what my team uses all the time. So are there any key indicators from a behavior perspective that could tell you as a travel manager that you really need to adopt or embrace this multi-channel approach? Unfortunately, I think it's probably the one piece of data that most people don't have that they most need that tells them that. And that's what's the true leakage of their program. And I'd imagine there's a lot of travel managers out there who actually don't know that at all, or they have a very blurred image of what that leakage is because they're comparing it against GL ledger data or whatever it might be. And that leakage is not just going to tell them that they've, you know, they've got a problem. It's also going to tell them what that problem is and where the solution lies and what type of products and services are people booking outside of their traditional mandated channels. And I think that's, you know, that's a really hard place to be in. So you've got to capture that off traditional off channel spend. You've got to find a way of capturing, analyzing and understanding that data. Does that kind of tie to the idea of an integrated travel to expense program to be able to see that end-to-end spend and control to help control the leakage? I mean, I, I, I certainly believe so. We have the benefit of being able to see both the travel and the expense side for many of our clients. And so we could actually see, oh, you've expensed this amount of money on airline A. And by the way, you've only booked this amount of it through the tool. So we can see the gap. For our customers that have trip link, they kind of get the rest of the story. And I think, you know, there was a, a, a gentleman at Marriott who used to say, as a travel manager, he believed that they should be caring a lot more about the data than the channel. He said, look, if you can get your discount, if you can get access to the data, if you can do your duty of care, why do you care where they're booking it? If you can administer policy, if anything, you're expanding the, the environment of what you are managing as opposed to sticking your head in the sand and just managing a small part of it. And I think as we now start getting into a world of sustainability tracking and sustainability reporting and requirements, especially the more stringent ones in Europe, I think it's almost not even a luxury anymore to be able to ignore the bookings that aren't happening through the traditional means. And it's gonna become an imperative. And so products like Tripling now also help you capture not just your blind spend, but help you capture all of your sustainability information as well. I think, Gene, you've hit on something quite important there. We've had this debate internally at Festive Road, actually, that maybe we do ourselves a disservice just by limiting ourselves to travel management or travel and meetings management, the way to get the right attention for our sector, the way to provide more of a solution to corporations is absolutely to see it as travel meetings and expense management end to end. And that means that this challenge or opportunity, whichever way you look at it, of multi-channel 
actually becomes just part of the overall picture rather than something that we're so focused on at the minute because it's causing so many people problems. If you've got the right expense solution, you've got the right data solution in place across the whole picture, it's not so much of a challenge and it becomes about creating the right solutions for the right different behaviours within your organisation. And that's a really exciting opportunity. I appreciate that. And and it's all well and good to talk about this multi-channel approach and to talk about that end-to-end strategy. But how do we put these concepts into action? How are you seeing our travel managers implement multi-channel strategies to benefit their entire program and ultimately their organization? I think we tend to deal with more progressive travel managers. So I'll sort of context that first of all, but certainly what we're seeing is it's an opportunity for them to, rather than just say, okay, right, I've got to deal with a multi-channel world. What do I plug and play to take care of that? What do I put in place to take care of it? Actually, it's an opportunity to take a step back and think very hard about why travel management exists in their organization, what role it fulfills, how it ties to corporate objectives, and what they need to put in place, not just now, but what could they put in place in the next three to five years? What is this empowering them to do? And we see this build your own BYO, we call it, or microservices strategy, an API world, multi-channel is empowering them to say, actually, I'd like this conceptual service from this part of the travel management world. I'd like this service from another part of the world. And I can connect those two in an API world And that allows me to consider what role the travel management company might play in that world as well. It doesn't have to be a singular linear channel of OBT, TMC, GDS, and then some sort of data capture. Now, I think that's the most empowering thing. And we we actually surveyed just over 100 enterprise travel managers a couple of years ago. 39% of them said that they would consider build your own program in the next uh, couple couple of years. And I think that's a really telling figure. It's a lot harder doing it than it is saying it, especially at the moment. But I think that's the opportunity that this presents for for progressive travel managers. Yeah, This is really then a future proofing, right, Charlie? Well, I I think it's interesting what Paul is saying. I think that there's probably a small subset of companies out there who want to take the time and effort and who have departments that are large enough to be able to go build your own and put all the different pieces together. I think that for companies that can do that, that's a it's an interesting strategy. I think that it is a, a good way for them to be able to almost, you know, build the best from each category without having to take a complete bundled offering from one provider. But I, I think for the rest of the people there, I don't think it's necessarily having to be a, an early adopter or having to be an innovator. You know, products like Triplink have existed for over 10 years now. There's opportunities for companies that are smaller to be able to take advantage of those types of products to be able to get the visibility that they need of all of this uh, blind spend. And quite honestly, as you see, you know, you mentioned early on in the call, NDC content proliferating, different forms of content being available in different ways. And so it's almost a necessity now for a travel manager to be able to maximize their, their budget and maximize their time to be able to say, hey, if you're going to go book direct, that's actually where we're going to get the best economics, the best discounts, the best fares. And so I just need to be able as a travel manager to administer policy and to know where you are and to aggregate the data. I don't think it's necessarily having to go rebuild your entire program from scratch. I think there's products on the market today, whether it's ours, there's others out there that do bits and pieces of that. 
but travel managers do have tools without having to reconstruct their entire thing. You make a good point as well. It, it isn't necessarily just the size of your spend either. It's about having the will, the skill and the bill is what we refer to it as. You may have the biggest spend in the world, but unless you have a reason to go rethink what you're doing, unless you have the budget, unless you have the, the team and the technology and the application, then uh, it doesn't matter what size business you are. But uh, you, you're right. It isn't for everyone. There's no question. Mm -hmm. So this really, no matter the approach you take, is that future proof that's that visionary uh, goal for your corporation and and i hate to say visionary because to charlie's point earlier this has been around for a long time but i'm hearing you say that we've reached kind of a tipping point and if me as a travel program manager is managing my program i'm either going to have to move ahead and be a quote visionary or I'm going to be dragged kicking and screaming into a future that's going to include multi-channel options, whether I like it or not. And so I'm just curious from your viewpoint, Paul, is this something that people can sit on and wait for continually again? Well, I, I think the first thing is to acknowledge what you said is absolutely right. Full stop. End of. It, it's happening and people can make a choice to deal with it, uh, but they don't have to. They can wait it out. Actually, there are some programs. If you take, for example, the um, you know the recent moves by one particular American carrier and the disruption that's had on the market, if you don't have a huge transatlantic spend and if you don't have a huge spend with that carrier, the implications for you are going to be minimal. It doesn't mean you won't be affected in the long run because other carriers will make moves. Hotel groups are also considering multi-channel distribution. And so are car companies and everybody else in the value chain. So it will hit you at some point, but knowing when the right time is to move, knowing when the right time to take that step back and reconsider and make decisions on the future size and shape of your program is, 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 is equally as important as doing it itself, because you've got to do it within the context of your overall business objectives, how large your travel spend is, how likely you're going to see off-channel spend. All of these things play an important part. It's a bit like the analogy of sustainability. Sustainability isn't highly important for every travel manager out there. If you're in construction and manufacturing and travel accounts for 1% of your emissions, it's going to be a really low down in the priority compared to realigning your whole manufacturing process or whatever it is. So it's all about context. I, I think that's really important. I think what we're seeing is there are pioneers out there that are taking the decision to punch out of their existing channels and test the water and see what the alternatives are to consuming content. And then the early adopters of those companies actually taking a more considered approach just to take a step back, explore what the market's doing, understand what the implications are and think about what that future might look like. Maybe they're tweaking with their program at the moment. Maybe they're making some minor adjustments, but they get the long term direction. And that's quite important. The laggards, I think, yet to come, they'll they'll start to consider all this. And when it starts to be a real pain point, that's when they'll start to make a decision to take a step back and, and start thinking about what they need to do to construct a more modern future. Assuming that they realize that they have a pain point, if they're looking at the right data, they realize it. But I, I, I actually see the parallel almost more to getting a smartphone, right? When the smartphones first came out, for those of you who are not old enough to remember that time, you had to make a decision. You know, do I want to move off of whatever I'm using to get a phone that has a camera, to get a phone that has internet? And 
yeah, you could keep waiting longer and longer to use it, but you just keep missing out on more and more of whatever people are doing with them. So it's the same sort of thing here. I think the, the people have been testing these solutions now for the last 10 years. And I think the longer people wait to implement them, it's not going to be a matter of if they need them. It's just a matter of when they get them. Yeah. You, you sound like the number of times I've said to my teenage children, before mobile phones existed, do you, I, honestly, it's like I've, I've become that old person, unfortunately. <laughs> it's kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do the same thing. I remember a day where I couldn't get money when Saturday happened. There was no such thing as an ATM. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I'm hearing you say, Charlie, that the time for early adopters may have actually passed or maybe coming to an end and that we really need to help that next wave of programs make the switch. So how do I, as a travel manager, determine what approach is right for me and my organizations and, and how am I going to manage those challenges and risks? I mean, what does it mean to the people who manage and own these programs and what is their path? Well, I'm happy to jump in first. I mean, I think what you see is Paul sort of mentioned the example of one American airline that may have sort of taken some of their content out, which is driving people maybe to their site or driving people to other channels. The reality is today that even the European carriers started adding, you know, 20 to 30 euro surcharges through legacy means. And so the opportunity for cost savings is alive and well. So if you're a travel manager that cares to control your costs, there's things that you can be doing now. If you're a travel manager, to Paul's point earlier on, who cares about the employee experience and who cares about having to compete for talent with the programs, who cares about DNI, who cares about all these other factors, you don't need to continue to wait to see what is out there. And I think Paul's right. I think people can start dabbling a little bit. They can put, you know, maybe it's their VPs or their senior VPs or their frequent travelers on certain programs where they can track and monitor the data. Uh, so they can take advantage of all of these different channels. That's obviously what our tripling channel was designed to do. It was designed to allow travel managers to expand what they're managing and get a much, much broader view than what they get without the program. So there's definitely solutions out there that they should be looking at and, and testing and playing with. And I think that most of the companies, if not all of the companies that go try it out and see it, realize, I think what they fear is that by putting that program in place, that they're giving up on managing travel and instead, what they really need to realize is that they're actually growing the pool of what they're managing. No, it's not. It's not my place to promote a particular product over another. I mean, what what I would say is there are a plethora of options out there in order to ensure you capture spend via multiple channels. What I would say is I think it's imperative on every travel manager out there, if you are in, wanting to take a holistic approach to managing travel and meetings expenditure in your organization, you need to make sure that somehow you're capturing spend via all sorts of channels that you have the ability to analyze that spend in order to be able to take action across your policy or the types of products and services that you contract with or you want to promote within your travel program. And so it's just something that's part and parcel of every tra travel manager's toolkit from now on in is what I would say. So we've explored a lot of areas. I would like you both to put on your soothsayer hat and give me a prediction of where multi-channel will take us next. Well, I, I think, and I think it's a, 
maybe I'm an optimist, a glass half full type of guy here, but I think the beautiful thing about multi-channel is it empowers the supplier-buyer relationship. It allows a relationship which has previously been based on volume and price to be something that is much broader and richer. It's volume, it's price, it's payment method, it's chosen channel of distribution, it's products and bundles that play to personalized needs within the organization. I think that's the gift that multi-channel brings is it enriches, potentially enriches that opportunity. And by the way, you might say, well, that only applies to the bigger organization or bigger corporates, but actually for the smaller ones, that's an opportunity for the TMC to take that lead and enrich the relationship between the, the suppliers and the buyer and to act as that third party to do that, to create the aggregated volume that's going to be needed to create those types of dialogues. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, Paul. I, I think just the, the massive amounts of differentiation that every, really not just every travel supplier, but every company wants to differentiate their product and multi-channel allows them to do that in a way that they can't do so through a single channel. Uh, so I, I just continue to see it growing and I, I echo Paul's sentiments there. Okay. Well, all right. Our time is coming to a close. And typically for most people who listen to our podcast, this is the time where I list three takeaways that I think I've heard, but given the conversation around multi-channel, I want to play a little game of myth versus reality. So if you guys are up for it, I have a couple of questions that I'm going to ask you, is this a myth or is this a reality? So if you're ready to go, let's do a little bit of a speed round. (laughs) Okay. If an organization allows an employee to book outside the tool, the employee will go rogue and will no longer use the tool they're supposed to use. Is that a myth or a reality? Charlie, can you go first? <laughs> oh, go on, you go, Charlie. Go on. Yes, sure. I, can. I, uh, I think that's a myth. I think travelers are going to use the, the right channel for the right type of trip. So if you frequently book you know, a Denver to Seattle trip and you know who your airline is, you know what your flight times are, you might continue to just use the airline app. If you're going somewhere where you're not as familiar, you don't know who the carriers are, you're going to use the tool and you're going to use whatever gives you the most value for that particular trip. I am going to go rogue myself and say that this is a mythality because I think the reality of the situation is that it is possible, depending on the quality of the tool, that they are being asked to use. And if they're being allowed to go off channel and the tool they use is terrible, then I think they probably would go off channel. And um, and I, I think what's really interesting is in an API world, actually, we're likely to see a, a considerable enhancement in booking tool technology that actually means in the long run, people are less likely to go out, out of channel. And actually, if you open the doors, it's incumbent upon those that provide technology to book to up their game, to attract people in rather than having them forced mandated through the tool. So I think it's a it's a really interesting question and a, a great opportunity. I love mythality. So I'm going to do the second one and I'm going to give this one to you first, Paul. My question is, an employee can find better rates by going to a supplier's website. This is one that haunts me to this day as a former travel owner. Uh, Is that a myth, a reality, or a mythology, as we've learned? It's a a myth. It's a a cross between a reality and a myth. (laughs) 
I mean, the honest answer is it, it is possible. And, you know, I, I know this because I live this life every day. And, uh, you know, even you, you look at you look at the same product between different websites, you find different prices. So it isn't any surprise that you find different pricing on a, a booking tool or a TMC compared to going direct and on the market. I think the, the challenge here is we're likely to see more differentiation. And we, we have seen some of this already where actually a chosen provider supplier uses price differentiation as a means of driving traffic through a particular channel that's in their interests or that they want to try and get changes in the market. So I think like we have seen this in the past, you will see some of it and you may well see more of it in the future. That's why it's a rift for me. Mm -hmm. I actually think it's actually becoming more and more of a reality every day, right? As we talked about, a lot of European carriers have surcharges, which drive up the cost of the ticket by 20 to 30 euros. I think in the US, we've seen a lot of carriers launch continuous pricing, which diminishes the price on their own website. So sadly, I think it's becoming more and more of a reality. All right. So number three, organizations will lose the ability to see spend when their employees book outside of the chosen tool, myth or reality. It's a toss up. I think on that one, uh, it really depends. If you're using a product like Triplink, you are going to be able to see the spend when it happens and you're going to be able to administer the policy and you're going to be able to get your discounts. And so for the most part, you're not you're going to be able to get all of the benefits that you do in the booking tool. If you're not using those and you're relying on credit card feeds or you're relying on TMC reports, then yes, you are going to lose the ability to see that spend when it's happening. You're so clever, Gene. You see, you clever people at SAP Concur, you want me to say myth because you've got tools to cater for this. And you, you damn well know I have to say myth because there are all sorts of tools out there to cater for this. And I made the point earlier, there's plenty of options to get something in place to ensure you're capturing off-channel spend and that you've got the ability to be able to see where that spend is going. So, of course, it's myth. Congratulations. It's called tripling, Paul. It's called tripling. <laughs> I'm sure one of the options is, Charlie. Yes. Well, since I kind of planted that question, I'm going to ask a fourth question. It's a wild card. We don't normally do this. I'm going to put this one right out there. Is NDC to blame for all of this multi-channel work, myth or reality? Go on, Charlie. You go first. It is not to blame. I mean, it's possible that NDC will actually accelerate sort of, it sort of ties into your last question. I think NDC for airlines has certainly accelerated the differentiation between what might be on their site and, and being able to get lower prices directly. So, but it, it's not to blame. I think we've seen a constant evolution of people wanting to book through different channels to see the product in different ways. So it's not all on NDC. Yeah, I would go myth as well. I'd say Yannick Hoyles from Iarta is to blame for all this. I'm only kidding. Um, <laughs> actually, it's the internet. You know, it's it's changed all of our lives. And you know, if you if you think we're the only ones dealing with a, a change in distribution strategy and multi-channel and developing products and services, look at your everyday life. Everything you consume, it's exactly the same. So NDC, I agree with Charlie. It's a poster child for change. It's going to accelerate it because it's a standard that means it's quicker application of API distribution. And in an API world, that gives suppliers lots of different channel choice. So yeah, it's a myth. It's it's the internet. Okay. 
I love blaming the internet for pretty much everything. So thank you for keeping that thread right through it. I want to thank you both for being here. It truly was, Paul, if people don't call you a treat after this, they'll have to talk to me because this was definitely a treat. And thank you, Charlie, for giving all this information. I People can see now why you're my guru for travel. Thanks, Jean. Yeah. So thanks to you for listening to this episode of the SAP Concur Conversation podcast. To hear more exclusive insights and interviews from the world of business travel, expense, and invoice processing, be sure to subscribe and listen to wherever you find your podcasts. And please join us again for our next SAP Concur Conversation.